to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, where we discuss all things money, because whether we like it or not, money matters. A few weeks ago, I had the great pleasure of reading a short story by 13-year-old Aladzulwi Chikosi. The book, Not Being Authentic Can Be Costly, is a warning tale of a young man who uses credit to live beyond his means and which ultimately destroys his relationships. I was intrigued to find out more about Ali and how she came to write this book and also how her parents have managed to embed these financial lessons into their daughter's life. So I'm very excited to have uh, both Ali and her dad, Ramaruma, on the podcast today. And um, I must, I want to welcome you, but I also want to tell the listeners a little bit of a funny tale about this because um, Ramaruma and I were emailing back and forth about the book and the podcast, and he told me that he was homeschooling Ali, and I, of course, assumed it was her mother, because moms do homeschooling, don't they, normally? But not in your case. Hey, Ramaruma, you are the homeschooler. That's correct. Yeah, I'm the homeschooler. <laughs> so I think, I think I'm going to talk a little bit more um, about the homeschooling as well, and Ali, also with you, your experience of homeschooling, because I think it's it's a very, very interesting, um, I think it's interesting, a lot of parents are thinking about it, um, and the fact that you've got a daughter, you've got three daughters, actually, who've gone on to write books, and who are educating themselves, I think there's probably a lot to say about it, but let's, I want to start with you, Ali. What motivated you to write this book, and how long did it take you? Well, there wasn't any one specific thing that motivated me to write the book. The writing of the book was a very spontaneous thing. At first, I was very hesitant about writing the book, but then my dad um, really hyped me up, so I ended up writing the book. But I'm glad it did happen, and it took me about a month to write the first draft, and then about two months for the book to be published. I think it's extraordinary that you wrote this in a month. I mean, it, it is, I, I described it as a short story, but it is still, I mean, it's quite a, you know, a lot of work that went into that. So I, I must say I'm very, very impressed. Um, and uh, I, I want to ask you, um, Ramaruma, how have you, because this, this is about money. This book was about money. It's it's about a warning yes. about what happens when you, uh, you know, you consume um, too much credit. Um, how how have you spoken to Ali about money and your kids about money that they that Ali was able to write this book? We, I usually uh, have a conversation about issues that affect you know young people, and I also relate stories about my own experience. So it started as a conversation or about my own personal experience of money when I first started getting my own income, being employed, a young graduate. I was very excited. Wherever I go, each and every store would open a card for me, a credit card, and uh, the banks were calling me left and right. And I, would sh- I shared this story of how I was able to recover from all the debts that I created. Some of them were quite unnecessary. So I felt we need to, I need to educate my child about all those things so that they can avoid it. I don't want them to fall in the same pit. Mm. Also, it's not like about not having money. We do have money, but it also has to do with how we spend our money. And I mean, Ali, maybe you want to take over here because it sounds to me a little bit like your dad's story is reflected a little bit in the story that you wrote. Do you want to maybe um, explain to the listeners what your story is about and, and what motivated you to write it? Um. Well, the story is about a young man by the name of Amadumbe. He comes from Kozulu Natal. Then he um, comes to Cape Town for education and stays in search of work, as many South Africans do. 
But then as soon as he gets a job and a paycheck, then he starts splurging his money, trying to fit in, and that results in a lot of debt. So I wrote this story, even though it's very similar to my dad's story, I feel like it's a lot of it's very similar to a lot of people's stories because it's so easy to open up a credit card and not a lot of people talk about how the credit card affects you and in future. So that's why I wrote the book. And I think it's so interesting for me that you, Maruma, have actually shared the story with your children. Because I think we talk about this, um, and actually, by the way, I have spoken to to um, Ali's mom, Timbele, as well. <laughs> but and she was also saying how um, there's this taboo about speaking about money that you as a family are trying to break. So how did it feel to you to talk to your children about the financial mistakes you've made? I think it's, it's quite therapeutic because you, you, you give the children to to learn about your own experience and also to give them and create a right image that I am not perfect. I did make mistakes and I don't want you to make the same mistakes. So it's a way of passing on good knowledge and it, make, it, make, it becomes more practical when I relate my own personal experience. And we, we also do a lot of reading about finances, talk about whatever we, we it's beneficial to our children. So I think it's very important as parents not to paint an image of ourselves being perfectionists on all these things, being very good on our finances without you know, sharing these valuable lessons that could help them not to fall in the same trap. Now, how did you relate the story as well um, to your children but also show them that you had rectified it? Or was it a journey where you're going through the journey with them um, getting your finances in order, or was it kind of when your finances were back in order, you discussed it with them? I mean, how does one have these conversations? I suppose at what point does one have these conversations with the family? We have all conversation about you know all issues, different issues, whether it's language or whatever, whether it's culture or current developments. We see whenever we see an opportunity for to share something, I share about it, even if it makes myself look and make myself vulnerable, I do share that information. Because if we don't do that, we're depriving our children an opportunity to learn. Mm. And we never know how long we're going to live. And we never know if those, we might even forget to convey that message. And it's very important. We don't have to communicate when everything is, is perfect. Yes, there are certain things that I'm still dealing with. And I even tell them, for example, when I buy a house, what mistakes did I make? So we, we use that as an OE, as an um, experience to explain some of the pitfalls, some of the mistakes which the first homeowners make. So we talk about that. How was my first experience of buying a car? We talk about those things, the kind of investment we, I've made. Some of them were bad, some were not good. So we talk about these things and it, it helps them to learn. And Ali, how do you feel um, when your dad shares these stories with you um, as, as his daughter? Do you feel empowered? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel, what does it make you feel? Well, at first it used to make me feel anxious because I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so scary. Is that what the adult world is really like? Like all those things 
everybody's out to get you and get your money. But then after a while of hearing these stories, I realized my dad wasn't really telling me these as like a way to scare me about the world because these things do happen. So when you know about it, then it gives you a leg up. So now they just make me feel more empowered. And and I think you did tell me as well a, a lovely anecdote about when your dad came home with a new car. You were able to say, ask him a few questions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what did yeah, you I asked him like I asked him like what type of payment plan was he using on the car because I had read like this other oh yeah, I think it was from your column or something. It was about a balloon payment, and I was just like, Oh no, Dad, did you do the balloon payment or something? <laughs> Uh, and you didn't come home with a big balloon tied to the car. Um, you. <laughs> uh, that's, that is wonderful. I, and I think that is, that's exactly it. Those are the kind of conversations you want your kids to be saying, hold on a second, when you made that decision, did you think about the following? Because then you feel like you've empowered your kids, isn't it? I think it's absolutely remarkable. And I do think, I'm sorry, but I do think you, your parents probably deserve Parents of the Year awards for these conversations that they're having with <laughs> And I know you 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 read a lot, um, and you know you do read. You read beyond uh, just finance, but in terms of the financial stuff that you're reading at the moment, and where you're at, and I, I think this is an interesting one for me as well because people often say, "Oh, we should have this at school. We should we should teach children about money at school." And I'm always more on the side that I think it should be taught as part of experience. It should be around the family table and relatable. Because when we sit, I don't know, I mean, tell you, um, I don't know about you, Ramaruma, but I mean, if you any of half the subjects you studied at school, you don't really remember as an adult what they told you in the Correct, class. Yeah. You were thinking about something else. So I, I, I see this. And, and what do you think, Ali, if you have to give advice to parents, you think that this is something that should be taught at school, money, or do you think this is something that's better taught around the family table? Well, I personally personally think that money should definitely be taught at home because uh, at home is when you're at home, that's where you learn all your values and your morals. So money isn't just like an object. It has it's a lot of the time it's tied to like your morals and your values and the way you look at money. So that's why I believe that it should be shaped. And formed at home but I personally also think that the school should be teaching like the technical sides of money like taxes and trust funds and things like that yeah taxes very helpful <laughs> so many people say, yes. well, you get you know what you get your first paycheck let me tell you this your dad will attest to this you get your first paycheck and you thought it was going to be this big and it's this big so it's like half because of taxes and retirement contributions and all of these things and no one tells you that and you've already kind of in your mind spent the whole paycheck <laughs> then you find out you're getting yes. off so i think what happens with your first paycheck is probably a very very important subject to 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 learn about um now i know you you do get pocket money um, and how are you, and maybe as a family, how do you use pocket money to instill some money lessons as well? Um, so normally when we were little kids, my dad used to like give us pocket money, but like it was a weekly thing and we would blow it just like instantly. First day <laughs> we're broke. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then that's when my dad, I guess, realized that he needed to start teaching us about like how to spend money properly and things like that. So now we just get money on a monthly basis. It's mainly for entertainment purposes, but like I'm really trying to like save more because even though I'm not really saving towards anything, it's more about like the values and the lessons you learn from being able to control your spending and things like that at a young age. And uh, I suppose the thing is, it said it is about you're 13 now. So possibly in the next few years, 
you could actually be given a, a larger amount of money to buy your own clothes, your own toiletries, all of those things. Um, but of course, you've got to trust your daughter will actually spend it on those things. <clears throat> I think I was told you, my, 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 you know, my son, if, I've tried that and um, he doesn't think toiletries are as important as going to movies. So <laughs> we have a deodorant problem. <laughs> So, so sometimes you also just got to kind of educate your children around some essential spending that actually has to happen. <laughs> Do you think you'd like that? Do you think you'd like your dad to give you a bigger amount that you could start to have more control? Are you feeling a little nervous about doing that yet? Well, I am a little bit nervous about that, but I really am curious about how I would end up spending the money. Because in theory, like I know that I would spend it on all the toiletries and things like that. But then in practice, maybe it might I might sway a little. Mm. <laughs> and and you don't want to also, one of the ones I see so many parents is the kids say, oh, mom, can I, I'm going to buy this now. And can you take it out of next month's pocket money? Now that's already starting the credit journey. So, you know, as a dad, True. what are you going to do? She comes to you and she says, dad, um, you know what? I've made a mistake. I've blown it all on, you know, entertainment and I now need, to buy something essential, can you help me? How are you going to respond? Oh, yes. I'll, this is a like a gradual process of learning. So I, in future, I, I want them to, to give them more money and more, you know, so that they can use it to for their own needs. But um, I, I want to reach a stage where they, 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 they should be able to justify how they're spending their money. and. Also, the, the pocket money is not something that is guaranteed. They have to do certain work, chores at home. So I, the, the other time, my, my, my daughter, I, I give her also pocket money for, and also the travel allowance. Mm. So she blew it. And she came to me and said, I finished the, the money. I said, oh, I gave you the money. And I also got paid once. So you have to make a plan. And then she said, okay, I'm going to do some work here and whatever. Okay, you can do that, and then I can give you the pocket money. But in future, if you do that, I will also charge you interest. So we're also looking at that, and I also want to um, introduce them to investment. Like she was talking about the trust. We want to open a family trust. So we're moving towards all those things so that they can learn that you need to save, to invest, and be able to spend your money wisely. Excellent. That's wonderful. And um, I want to ask you, I think your mom also has her own business and she, you, you're able to earn a little bit of money through that. So how does that work? Yes. Uh, so my mom owns a skincare business, but it's in its starting out stages. So she does everything at home, like the formulating, the researching, things like that. So when she's busy formulating her products and labeling and things like that, she'll have us help her out and then she'll be like oh yeah so in a normal company each worker would be paid about 50 rand per hour and say we work three hours in an entire month she'll give us 150 rand each and are you are you uh, i know as part of your homeschooling you, are you involved with learning how this business works as from an entrepreneurial perspective um yes kind of <laughs> I'm, un, I'm not really sure yeah. <laughs> but I, I suppose that so maybe that's let's ask I want to ask you that question about the homeschooling so so maybe uh Ramon, just explain to me you've got three daughters two of them are being homeschooled currently yes. how is the home and you, you work full-time so how is the home how does the homeschooling work okay we 
from the onset, when our, when we started our family, we came up with a good approach. I would always say we because it's a the partnership. I mean, I work with the, with my wife on all those things, so that we would have a, a common common approach. We started very early when they were still young. We started teaching them how to read. I, I'm the one who does a lot of work in terms of education. So by the time they went to a daycare, they were even able to read. And we, took, we approached that, we took that uh, approach of saying, our home shall be more like a learning institution. And whatever we do, it should be about you know, promoting learning. So even during the weekend, I would take them to, to the library where they would be learning to read. So this, we would go and borrow books and then read together and take them to museums, go out for you know excursions where they could learn something. So that has been always been an approach. But that was the time when they were still at school. And then along the way we decided, we read a, a certain article about homeschooling. Maybe we could be able to try this. And then we tried it. We decided, we just took a plunge four years, three years ago that we want to do this thing. Then we started doing it. But how it works, there's academic work. And there's also these activities that they do in line with our academic work. But all this is informed by the vision that we have, that we want our children to love themselves. Self-love, self-confidence, self-reliance. These are the things that we want them to know. And also, they should become lifelong learners. So all what we're doing, we just put the spark for them to love learning. And wherever we go, we use it as an opportunity to learn. Hence, we came across your article and it's a very good learning resource for us. For, for us every week, every week Sunday, when I buy the City Press, we share the article and we discuss if there's new concepts I introduce to them. So for, it, for this uh, to work, it has to do with instilling discipline. So I instill discipline on, on my children that every day they have to do some work. They do the, the work during the morning by themselves. And then when they have issues, there's Khan Academy, which is an online learning platform. So they can go and check it. And then if they cannot, they're not um, getting the answers, they can call me, we talk about it. Even during the afternoon, I can talk with, with them during the evening about their work. But it's mainly them being able to do the work by themselves. So, and then I encourage them to continue to become, you know, they should always be thinking about what is it that I can learn out of every opportunity? So we, we learn by doing, we learn by, for example, if we, if we are doing maintenance in the house, I involve them, they also get involved. We are going to do painting now, we'll be painting together, we're replacing bulbs, we're doing plumbing together, gardening. So it's all about learning and uh, as a way of life. And also self self um uh, self-resilience really and and you because you can pretty right. much you know you can if you can you know do your own maintenance and your own plumbing and your own you you know you, you you're able to you've got so many skills actually that's quite incredible and Ali how, how are you finding the experience because I think you you were homeschooled since grade when did you move into homeschooling since grade five 
since grade five. So you've, you've experienced the school system plus now homeschooling. And how, how do you feel about it? Well, I actually really, really do enjoy homeschooling. I like the way that um, homeschooling is what you make it because like in the school system, I found that it's more rigid and set. But at home, you can customize it to be the way you to like your pace and things like that and the things like you want to learn. Mm. So I enjoy it. And you follow the CAP system, though, so you will ultimately write matric, because I suppose that's one of the challenges of homeschooling, is you do still have to have the certificate at the end of the period to say, I am educated. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, um, they, can, they can do that. And also, I just wanted to add something about hair choices. For example, I introduced them to robotics, and um, they were also learning to build these uh, machines and to code them. They did like it, but they didn't want to continue with it. So I thought, okay, this is my interest as an engineer. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I, I decided, no, let's not continue with it. She, they last, one of it, since last year, they were doing scouts with their sisters, with their two sisters. But she decided this year that she doesn't want to continue with it. So it's fine. Last year, they were doing Young Entrepreneurship course, which is an online virtual learning where they learn entrepreneurship and all those money principles. But this year, they decided that we have learned enough, we can continue by ourselves. So we dropped it. So, so we choose something, and they, if we like it, we'll continue with it. And this year, they're also doing art, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Enjoying the art. So if there's something you had to do, Ali, if there was one thing you had to do all day, every day, what would it be? Drawing. I love drawing. 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 Yes. yes. So you see, there's a little bit of an engineer in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a design coming through there. Yeah. And um, well, I just think I really do. I'm, I, I, I think what, what you're doing is incredible because that is what the world's about. The world is, is so much bigger than what we know at school. And you're exposing them to so much. I know you get them to read a huge amount. What are you currently reading, Ali? I'm, I'm reading an emotional intelligence book. Now, I mean, how useful is that? I mean, incredibly useful. Understanding yourself, understanding other people, how to engage with people. Brilliant. That's amazing. I think I think people, we should turn this on. I made this podcast about talking to your children about money. It should be just like how to educate your children. <laughs> Only <be good. laughs> But Ali, I want to, to, to end off with, with just some tips that you would give, whether it's the children listening or parents of children listening about money, um, about attitudes to money, what do you think the message you think should, should get across to people? I mean, I want to tell people that money isn't evil. We do not need to make it a taboo subject because we use it in our every single day lives and making it such a taboo subject is very, very dangerous. People, we really, really do need to talk about money more and it starts at home. So please, because whether we like it or not, money matters. <laughs> well said. <laughs> so, um, I would love in people to, to read your book. Um, where can they get it from? What's the best way to get hold of your book? Because I think, by the way, it's very easy to read. Um, kids can read it. Parents can read it to their children. And I think, Ali, what I loved about it is at the end, there's discussion points, exactly that. It, it starts the conversations that you can have around the table. So if parents are listening and saying, how do I start these conversations with my kids? Get this book. 
and use it as a conversation starter. So how do they get it? Um, you can call the number, the WhatsApp number, 073-899 and place double three oh three and place an order. Do you want to give me that number again? Yes, 073-899-3303. And people can also contact me um, and I can put them through to you as well. So if people email me or get hold of me on social media, I will, I'll drop, uh, drop you guys an email and we make contact. But thank you so much uh, for taking this time to do the recording between uh, outages and all the rest of it that we're dealing with. And uh, I wish you best of luck. And please, if, it, if there's anything in the column that you want to read about, tell me and I'll write the next column for you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you maybe about shares because we're starting to learn about shares and kids getting involved in investments so yeah that could also be helpful so i think what we should do is start an investment club with the kids because i know two two boys actually who are have started who've been investing in shares one of them bought tesla about two years ago and has made a fortune. So um, I think mm-hmm. that's probably the next step is to start a little share club with, 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 with kids and we can maybe feature that. I think there's a lot of opportunity. Um, so maybe Ali can become our, um, become our writer or something like that on those things, topics. I think we've got a lot of opportunity ahead of us. So that's fantastic. And I'm glad to have met you. Thank it's you a so pleasure. much. Great. Yeah, one, one more thought is if we really care about the future, we need to start investing on the development of our children. and. That's the only way to secure the environment. To secure the future, we need to invest on the development of of our children. Actually, I couldn't even begin to agree more with you. And I I remember when when the national budget of one of the years, you know, I cover the budget every year. My mom phoned me and said, Maya, they need to put more money into social workers and social upliftment of children. And it actually is true. If you've got educated children who can think, who can process, who can research, who can care about the future, we, we can change things um, phenomenally. So I think you're absolutely sure. right. Investing in our children's education, and that's just not academic. It's, it's environment. It's all of those things. So, yeah, very well said. Yes. You've been listening to the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, featuring the contributors of the City Press personal finance pages.